So we're uh, preparing for communion. Just a reminder, if you haven't uh, gathered some things, some uh, bread and something to drink, I uh, encourage you to do that now. I don't know about you, Rick, but um, now that we're staying home more, um, we're having meals together <laughs> like we oh, yeah. have never had uh, as a family, at least Marilyn and Matt and I. Uh, Josh is, as I said, he's uh, in a, an apartment uh, and... Uh, so we're missing him, but glad for that time together. And what we find is when we're together over a meal, and not just now, but anytime, there's something about having a meal together that opens up opportunities for real discussion and, uh, and just interacting about the day or about events going on and so forth. And uh, I think that has always been true. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus so often is doing his ministry around meals, mm -hmm. around food. And uh, so that's true of this scripture that we're going to be sharing with you. Uh, this is what we refer to as the Last Supper. It was really a Passover meal that Jesus was having with his disciples um, just hours before he was arrested. And the uh, gospel writer John spent a great deal of time writing about that very special meal that they shared together. In fact, it takes three chapters. It's John 13, 14, and 15. So in just a few moments, we're going to pull one significant thing out of each of those chapters that we think uh, is important for us to know uh, right now uh, as in this time that we're in. So beginning with the 13th chapter of John... Uh, verses 3 and 4, this is what it says. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Over everything. That he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel he had around him. And as I was reading that, <laughs> what struck me was Jesus was aware that he had authority over everything. God had given him authority over everything. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, you know, if I was given authority over everything, I'm not sure what my first thought would be. Perhaps today, in, in today's environment, I'd be, you know, let's get rid of the coronavirus, mm -hmm. right? That's a temporary thing. A month ago, if I had authority over everything, it wouldn't be that. What Jesus didn't do was to do something for himself, or do something just for that time period. Instead, what he did was he set an example for how we're to live. He set an example about what the kingdom of God looks like. So here he is, God incarnate, and he wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and one by one washes his disciples' feet. Mm -hmm. Humble service is what we see playing out here. And so as I thought about that, particularly in this time in which we live, 
and what that looks like for us. I'm seeing acts of humble service going on all around our community and beyond. Um, we have, uh, here at Hope, we've been trying to find out uh, how many people we have who are first responders right. in our congregation. And as near as we can tell right now, and, and uh, we're always interested in hearing from others if you know of somebody else, but we know we have at least 35 first responders, people who work in hospitals, nurses and uh, doctors and surgeons. One of the guys in my small group uh, is a surgeon over at Virtua. And uh, so on Thursday night, he was sharing uh, with us what uh, life in the hospital is looking like these days and how stressful that is. And uh, so we are actively praying for uh, those folks, uh, especially as they serve so many of us, kind of putting the towel of service around them um, and humbly serving uh, others. It's not just medical communities, though, and Rick, you prayed for uh, other first responders, uh, police. Yeah. In fact, last week, Heather, Pastor Heather, I don't know if you know this, but all of our pastors are also uh, police chaplains here in Voorhees, Pastor Rick, over at Mount Laurel. And one of the ways that uh, we're called on to serve is by making death notices. When somebody dies, um, and uh, either in an accident or something, and the family doesn't know, a police officer goes to let the family know, and a chaplain will accompany that. So last week, Heather got called in for a death notice, and what she was reporting back to me was that these officers don't have any protection. So they don't have masks, they don't have gloves, they're just going and serving people uh, in that way. All of us are being called upon to act in humble, serving kinds of ways. Our food pantry folks are doing, I shared with you last week, and I'm so grateful for our food pantry that continues to operate. And I want to remind you that um, if you're out grocery shopping, which you're allowed to do, if you think of it, pick up some food for our food pantry. You can drive by the church, drive around back, and on Monday through Friday between 10 and 2, we have a cart out back, and you can just put the food on that cart, and somebody will bring it in uh, after 2 o'clock and, uh, and help restock the shelves in the food pantry. So we've got that going on. We have dozens of you who have signed up to be part of our care team. If somebody calls in and they need something, uh, somebody to go to the grocery store and so forth, that's a way that uh, we get to serve. We have a prayer team. We put together a prayer team uh, just recently. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 of you who are on our prayer team. And every day we're sending out um, prayer requests to that team to be lifting up uh, in prayer. And so all of these things that we have going on uh, throughout the course of a day here at Hope are just acts of people putting on that towel of service and humbly serving other folks. Yeah, and as, the, uh, as Pastor Jeff said, the dinner conversation was an ongoing conversation. So after Jesus washed the disciples' feet and talked about serving and, and then demonstrated service, his, the conversation went on, and he then said this. This is in John chapter 14. It's up on the screen. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, Jeff's going to talk a little bit later about uh, uh, that, that idea of Jesus uh, uh, making commandments. So we'll leave that there. If you love me, obey my commandments. And then he said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another. Now I'm going to stop there for a second because Jesus at this dinner time seems to be giving out gifts. 
and he's giving, uh, as far as I can tell, at least two gifts. So he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And the advocate there uh, uh, in the New Living Translation could also be translated as comforter or, or um, um, uh, Holy Spirit. And so he says, I will give you another comforter. I will give you the Holy Spirit who will never leave you, who will never leave you. I just, that just fascinates me. And I think it's just a great word for us this morning that in this current climate of social distancing, when we're always cognizant of how close we are to others, Mm -hmm. that we're trying to keep people away for safety, that Jesus reminds you and I that God is as close as possible inside each of us, that God chooses to be, to inhabit inside of us, that God is inside and promises to never leave us. I, that is a great gift for us to hear this morning. And then the second gift Jesus promised, uh, uh, again, in this conversation in John chapter 14, he goes on and he says, and I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The disciples are about to experience the most life-altering and tension-filled moment of their lives. They will watch Jesus be ripped from their lives. They'll watch him be tortured and crucified while most of them are in hiding for their own lives. And God's spirit is a gift from Jesus that will bring peace of mind and heart, no matter the circumstance, even in moments like this. So these are all life-altering and tension-filled moments. Wouldn't you agree, Jeff? Absolutely. These are moments like that. That the events of these months, this month and months ahead, will alter the way the world operates moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I joke like this with Jeff often. I'll tell him when there's a moment in our pastoral leadership, I'll say, you know, I don't remember taking a seminary class on this. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those moments. You didn't take the pandemics class? No, I did not take pastoring through a pandemic. I did not take that class. Uh, But we together are working uh, through this one step at a time, knowing this truth. We're trusting the Holy Spirit that's living inside every Christ follower. And that that spirit will not leave us and promises peace of mind and comfort to our hearts. So I want us to just take a breath now and just rest in this. Hear these words. God knows. God knows where the resource will come from. God knows your voice. God knows the deepest cry of your heart. And the Spirit of God has never been and cannot be closer than it is now. There is no social distancing with Jesus. Love that. So as this meal continued on, so we've seen Jesus uh, who has uh, put a towel around his waist, washed his disciples' feet in this act of humble service, uh, having had all authority given to him. He's given us this promise of the Holy Spirit um, and this promise of a deep peace that in the midst of troubles and so forth that we might experience a deep peace. And then as we move into the 15th chapter, um, two things uh, that uh, I wanted to uh, highlight from chapter 15 uh, that Jesus shared with his disciples. So he st- st- uh, in verse 5 he said, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, 
will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus, he loved to give these uh, examples that would stick in people's minds. You know, we're going to do communion in just a minute. So these simple elements that um, you would see all the time, uh, he gave them a different meaning, a different uh, uh, insight. The same is true with this vine and branch. So in first century, as you're walking around communities and so forth, everybody's walking, um, you would see uh, orchards of trees and they would have vines growing up them which were producing grapes and so that's how they did it it would the vine would be wrapped around the tree and then around a branch and over time it would produce this fruit of grapes and Jesus is saying when you see that here's what I want you to think about here's what I want you to remember that I'm the vine and you're the branch that as I am in you and you are with me fruit will be produced. And so it's this great image. And what occurred to me, I don't know if we have yeah, the image. Yep. Yeah. Um, what occurred to me is that the longer a vine is around a branch, the more those two things become one. And you can almost, you can't tell the vine, where the vine starts and the branch begins and the branch ends and the vine ends. It, it just looks like one thing together. That's the nature of what it means to be a follower of Christ, that the longer I'm with Jesus, the more like him, the more integrated he is into my life, that that spirit that he talked about in 14 um, is like that vine living in me. Here at Hope, we say that to be a Christ follower, a disciple, is to be in this process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's that idea of the vine and the branch that we are becoming more like Jesus um, as we trust him and as we follow him. And just as with a vine and a branch, they go through all seasons together. Seasons of a lot of water, seasons of drought, seasons of uh, warmth, seasons of freezing cold temperatures. And it's often in those difficult times that the relationship between the two becomes strengthened. That's another thing that I think is true for us in this time and in this season. As we're going through this difficult time, mm -hmm. as we cling to Christ, as we uh, lean into our faith, that our faith will grow. This is a defining moment for us. Mm. As a church, it's a defining moment for you as a Christ follower. As you lean into Christ, you will find that he is trustworthy and your faith will deepen, and, and it's going to grow. So after he uh, tells them about uh, this image of vine and branches, moving forward into uh, verse 12, he wrote this. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, those words aren't quite as shocking to you and me as they would have been to the disciples. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. Now, in first century Palestine, for a Jewish uh, uh, person, they understood laws, they understood regulations and so forth. Those were all man-made things. A commandment was from God. 
God alone gives commandments. And so Jesus is letting them know who he really is in this time um, in lots of different ways, but this way perhaps more than any other when he gives them a commandment. It it must have knocked them off off their heels. Um, I give you this commandment, he says. God gives us this commandment. Love one another as Jesus loves. To love as Jesus loves. That's the command. That's what God calls of us. And then he goes on and he says that there's no greater love than to lay down your life. So what does it look like to love like Jesus loves? Jesus loved unconditionally Mm -hmm. and he loved sacrificially. Love one another as I have loved you unconditionally and sacrificially. We're living in a time where we're being called upon to lay down our lives. Jesus literally laid down his life. He took on human sin and in his death we've been set free from that which separates us from God. That's what Jesus did for us by laying down his life. We're not asked right now to give up our lives physically but we're being asked to lay down our lives to lay down what's normal about our life to lay down our work life to lay down our economic life to lay down our social life we're being asked and encouraged to lay that down as an act of love sacrificial love for others Mm. people that we know and people that we don't know people that we like and people that we don't like unconditionally to lay it down not just to keep us safe but to keep others safe you know i'm in pretty good health rick um i don't have respiratory issues and so forth Mm -hmm. so they tell me that even though i'm you know a little bit older (laughs) um if i got coronavirus the chances are really high that i'm i'm going to survive it right because i don't have those underlying conditions i'm socially isolating i'm doing what uh i'm being asked to do not just for good health policy public policy Mm -hmm. but as an act of loving sacrifice for others i don't want to spread this virus around to that one percent or whatever the number ends up being of people for whom this could be uh, a life or death thing we're being called to lay down our lives for one another